0: This is Dialogue with Drake and Daboo. My name is Emma Drake.
1: And I am Sweta Daboo. This is the podcast where we talk about all things policy, politics, and pop culture.
0: Welcome to our first... Saturday special. So what is it? This is something that we've wanted to do for a long time. The idea with the Saturday special is it kind of veers off the tracks from our traditional Monday at 8 a.m. schedule and allows us to have an episode on a Saturday morning when you folks are perhaps making breakfast or perhaps cleaning the house uh, or maybe waking up in the afternoon because I know I sure did that over the holidays. (laughs) And what it is, it allows us to be able to cover topics that may have been pertinent over the week um, and that we hadn't had scheduled beforehand. So it allows us to cover stuff really quickly. And so we're really excited that this is our first Saturday special.
1: And we have a very exciting topic for our first episode as well on a Saturday, and that is looking at arts and politics. Arts, as we all know, can take on many forms, be that visual arts in terms of painting, sketching, photography, poster art, illustrations, be it performative art through music, uh, photography again, poetry, or a combination of two or more of these. Oftentimes we see that art draws inspiration from and in turn inspires politics and current events.
0: One example of the relationship between art and politics at a local level is Carrots. So Carrots was a poster that was found all throughout Charlottetown, particularly in the mid 2010s. And this was an illustration of a spray panted Anne of Green Gables, of course, the fictional uh, PEI icon with a bandana over her mouth. So each poster contained the hashtags, #AccessNow, now, hashtag reproductive rights and hashtag support Island women. Carrots was seen as a political symbol of decades long battle to have abortion access on PEI and it was used throughout social media campaigns to call on government to finally provide this essential service. The political artwork was not only seen on the streets of Charlottetown, but also seen in Vancouver, Fort McMurray, Toronto, and a number of other Canadian cities, which is really cool. Carrots was later used as a cover of the book, No Choice by author Kate McKenna, who's also a PEI author. And this book described the 30-year battle for abortion access on PEI, which began to be addressed in 2016, when the government of Prince Edward Island finally funded abortion access on PEI. So Carrots is just one example of the role between art and politics.
1: When we're looking at political commentary on the daily, however, this very commonly manifests itself as caricatures, satirical cartoons, or similar material. We're, of course, all familiar with depictions of politicians or current movements in a humorous way in newspapers or over the internet. A caricatural project that recently emerged from Alberta is Reed Larson's Postcard Project which provide an insightful yet humorous take on the issues that have dominated the news these past few weeks, be it the controversy around elected officials traveling outside of Canada during the holiday season this year, or the US Capitol insurrection.
0: With us today to discuss the relationship between arts and politics is a retired student leader, Albertan cowboy and political artist, and a great friend, Reed Larson. So first question, right off the bat, read, how are you doing?
2: I am doing well. I had to think about this earlier today. How <laughs> am I doing? And I looked up uh, a feelings wheel because I, I needed some better words. So I was like, I am feeling optimistic, playful, and pressured.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. That's an interesting combination.
2: <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I... Uh... Yeah, that's that's how I'm feeling. That's how I am. I am optimistic, playful, and pressured. That's it's a weird combo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So, as you know, today we're chatting about art, we're chatting about politics, but first, let's learn a little bit about yourself. How did you first get started into illustrating?
2: Uh, that is very hard for me to know. Uh, I have always I was discussing this with my partner the other day, and they asked the same question. I said I have always drawn things. I've always, when I was a kid, I would, I would I loved fantasy. And I would invent whole fantasy, like stories and stuff. But my favorite part of it was actually drawing the cities. I would draw on maps. I would draw little cities because I always loved the maps that were in the inside of fantasy books. So I would draw those all of the time. And I have very vivid memories of that. And I would invent games all of the time. Mm -hmm. My parents used to like rag on me because I I love building dioramas. So I would build these great big fantasy dioramas. I was always doing kind of artwork from a very young age, but I never considered it art. It was just something that I did. Mm. Um, What I would consider illustrations, like as in the more recent work that people would know me by, um, not very long, only a couple of years, and publicly only the last... oh year at most uh six months at best my friends would say i've been sketching on pads for a while now one my parties i i would take a pad with me uh all throughout university i always had a uh a book in my pocket that i would write poetry in or sketch things in and then give to people so if you if you've been one of those lucky folks uh, over the years uh keep that it's gonna be worth something in five minutes (laughs) But yeah, to answer the question, um, how did I get started into illustrating the stuff I do now? uh, I kind of decided one day to combine a bunch of my interests and then start putting it on paper. And often it's the only way to get ideas out in my head. You can't, I, I don't have the skills to shoot a raw video. I don't have the means to do animation, but I can certainly draw some stuff. So I've been very lucky to get like a nice iPad and that's where I've been doing a lot of the digital stuff. So that's very recent. Hmm.
0: that's fascinating read I didn't know any of you know this part about you writing poetry at parties or these di or dioramas are they called that
2: dioramas yeah well Di-ramas. come on I you know that I used to make rings in bars and give them to people as proposals so like there's <laughs> an element of that involved with that uh sort of approach to life I guess um yeah, I, I wish I had done more in my executive, like the time that I would have uh, been with you or known uh, around that time. But like, if you go to the US, here's a great example. In the time that I know you was something that I did. If you go to the University of Alberta Students Union offices uh, and you get to visit them one day, there's uh, there's always writing on the walls from the past years of presence and a a big tradition has been signing your name Mm. and when it came around to my time uh to sign my name on the wall because I was leaving I was like ah you know what signing my name kind of cool not cool enough I got a gold plated (laughs) frame and I put a little uh a little artwork in it and I super glued it to the top of the pillar so for the rest of time, I will be the top <laughs> spot with this glued gray, gold frame on it. And you have to ask anybody who's at the Students' Union now uh, about Reed Larson, because they ha- somebody has to explain that shit every time they point it out. <laughs>
0: That's so extra. I know. I like- know. I'm obviously, on social media, I've seen different folks, you know, such as, you know, Fahim and Akanksha, and, you know, everyone's always posting, you know, oh, I finished my term, but uh, I just checked your Instagram looking for it, and I don't see it, so... It's
2: hopefully... an insider note. You, okay. I don't think I ever took a photo of it.
0: <laughs> well, sorry, listeners, that one's gonna have to uh, stay a secret, but... Very interesting are your current illustrations. Um, I know when I'm not an artist by any means, but even just looking at your artwork on social media and for listeners, it's at that really blonde guy. It's exactly how you think it'd be spelled uh, on Instagram and as well on Facebook. It's really interesting. You know, it's different than, um, you know, poster art and it's different than just a sketch. It's different than a painting. It's different than, you know, just it's different types of content combined together and i know one piece that we're going to be talking about a lot today aloha even looking at it you know it has a digital kind of photo in the background and then this illustration on top of it Uh, it's fascinating to look at because it's really kind of a modern representation of, of different art forms that we have now in 2021 you touched on it a little bit earlier but what types of tools do you utilize to create this type of art
2: Yeah, so that's a really good question. I recently got started quite heavily into uh, photography, uh, and I run another account. Won't get too far into it, but I got into film photography quite a bit, Mm -hmm. which led to having to learn how to print things. uh, So I had to learn how to print stuff. And I always was sketching and stuff anyway. So I started printing out stuff, and then I would sketch on top of stuff. So there are a few pieces of artwork on the website that are that medium where I have printed out a photo and then I have sketched over it in some way, shape or form. And then that kind of evolved to where there was like political stuff going on and that wasn't quick enough. Um, So I moved almost entirely digital Mm -hmm. and I would, and I do like, it's not, it's a kind of like an odd mismatch of random art techniques, I should say. (laughs) <laughs> like there's there's a little bit of reference in some like the photos like as you mentioned one of the photos or the one that you described has like a real digital background on it mm-hmm. but then i've sketched over top but that sketch is also a composite of several other sketches that i've done wow. so if you one of the later pieces you know it's like one of the corners i finished first because that was a reference from a, a different photo mm-hmm. and then i would reference other photos to combine them together as best as i could i i general i like the idea of combining my own artwork or at least the like the stuff that I put into it with kind of ready made photos or digital assets um because it's about quickness like at the end of the day that Aloha picture would not have got attention if it hadn't come out like literally the same day that the scandal broke mm-hmm. um so that's why. It's now mostly digital, but I I love combi- like I, I I find it funny that you notice notice that because I I love combining the mediums. It's actually one of my favorite things to do is to print off like a shitty photo I've taken and then mess with it in some way. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the experience of being called an artist is fairly new to me as well. Like I've been make I I find it funny because I've always, I make memes like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> right and making a meme i never considered it as much as that but like that artwork i originally conceptualized it. i was like in my head i was like what's the perfect fucking meme for this <laughs> so i just made that and i shared it like i never used i i have been actively sharing my actual art more but that one was one where i was like i'm just gonna share it with some friends and they're like reed this is good <laughs> you should make it into something and then i got tweeted and then it got a lot of attention and i was like oh okay so people actually like this and now i've been rolling with it m- that particular style a bit more mm-hmm. if you go through my feed there's other stuff that i've done but that that combination and the way of doing that particular photo is fairly new
1: mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, that really gained so much traction, even nationally, that particular aloha piece. But, you know, looking at, you know, this one time you gained inspiration from a current political scandal that was going on. But in general, do you find that this is what usually influences your work or other particular people, events or interests that inspire
2: you? That's another question. And to like, this is going to sound ridiculous, but to be totally honest, and 100% blunt, most of my artwork before I started sharing it public was like not safe for work sort of artwork. Like it was, <laughs> it was um, I drew things I was attracted to quite frequently, which was like nudes. <laughs> like, and I would, I would draw um, different scenes or my first favorite piece of artwork I ever did, which isn't obviously on Instagram. My first <laughs> political artwork that I did um, is like a not safe for work piece. And it's something that most of just my friends have seen. Uh, and I gotta figure out a way to share it. That's not like terrible, but the uh, so I like I I I tend to draw things that I have interest in first and foremost. Like I wouldn't have made that aloha piece if I wasn't like angry about something and wanting to kind of showcase what I thought of the moment, um, and include some uh, people in bikinis. You know, like. <laughs> Uh, At the end of the day, um, where I get most of my inspiration is from what just comes to the top of the mind. I know that's a ridiculous answer, but often the first thing that comes to mind is, well, how can I turn, how can I combine two interests of mine? Um, One was beautiful people and another was a piece of political art and get that done as fast as possible. Uh, And this was one of those outcomes, plus a scandal. Scandals are fucking, you can, if you can't draw a scandal, you're having a hard time as an artist. I love
0: that. That's a really good quote.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It all comes together. I, I was, I'm always shocked that people are actually in, into the art in a certain way. And I'm, another funny thing is some of my art, it, 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 it's very kind of generic to a point where people of any political background can be like, Oh yeah, I like that. But mm-hmm. almost all of them have some sort of critique uh, embedded in them. It, it, at least the ones that I share, all of them are, are, are critical in a way. Um, and I, I, I feel like that's going to continue just because of the things that I have interest in. Uh,
0: mm-hmm.
2: So we'll see how it goes.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you brought up a lot of interesting points like the first one as you said like right off the bat is part of the success of aloha was just kind of that split second i'm not thinking about this this is just kind of the way i you know feel about it you know i'm feeling angry but i'm also inspired by you know visuals of in this case you know the women in bikinis but then also kind of just like in in the way that i see it you know just this dystopic kind of look at this scandal like The fact that you had that, you know, driven by passion and interest that you had already been illustrating, and then just went with it because of the timeliness. I think that's, that's the fascinating piece about it is that, you know, once that went public, anyone could look at that and know exactly even, you know, the current day, you know, what it was referring to, but also as a historical piece. I know um, in pre- preparation for today's episode, I, I again, like I said, I don't come from an art background, but I was, I was trying to kind of learn some different, uh, particularly, relationship between art and politics, and one of the questions artists oftentimes are asked are, you know, what's the longevity of of an illustration, or what's, you know, the the kind of timeline in which, you know, you see this kind of lasting until it's you know no longer relevant and with this particular picture even though it was kind of like this split second kind of I I wouldn't want to say impulsive but just kind of intuitive piece that you created it's still such a historical snapshot of you know what this week has represented in -hmm. terms of the history of COVID but as well uh this particular time um particularly in in Albertan politics but I would say as well Canadian politics as, as we've seen um in other uh provinces as well, but specifically to zero in on Aloha. And so for listeners, I know we've been talking about it a lot, but just to describe it a little bit, um, this is a beach scene. And so it's kind of two, correct me if I'm wrong here, Reed, it looks like two digital photos of a beach scene behind a green screen um, that two staff members uh, in bikinis, of course, are wearing. And one thing that I also love is a really neat detail on the bikinis. It kind of looks like the brand triangle. Um, it has staff written all around kind of the outlines of it, which is a really cool detail. Um, and so the, the two staff members in bikinis are holding up the green screen and a press conference is being held and so there are the Albertan and Canadian flags and of course there's uh, Premier Jason Kenney standing at a podium and we could see his full body from the side and of course you know uh, business on the top party on the bottom we have the blazer on top and then the swim trunks on the bottom to really represent the current climate of of politics in canada this week (laughs) amidst covid um but all that being said what inspired this particular illustration
2: i this one i found wrote itself in all honesty a hundred percent i saw a couple of images um and it yeah so this one wrote itself there i saw a few images later and this is a classic. The Simpsons did it first. I actually <laughs> later saw a Simpsons... Like, I, I I could feel like I conceptualized this all on my own. But then I later saw a Simpsons clip that is exactly this photo. Oh. Like, literally exactly this photo. And I was like, no way. <laughs> so, uh, in a funny, weird world, history repeats itself, obviously. Um, obviously. <laughs> but, yeah, this one was... I actually... I was kind of... This one was really quick obviously I got it done within the day I was kind of annoyed at it because of the my line art wasn't very good for it the lines vary quite frequently um and the staffers I just funny that you point them out the staffers I was like man these these look almost like it's ghoulish like it's just ah they're not they're misshapen and strange and I didn't like that very much but I was like I don't have time to redo this and I just kind of like put it out there um but the the it's hard to describe how angry people have been over this particular mm. scandal. I was talking to friends and like, there is nobody on like a whole stage of people who is not upset about this. Uh, from any political background, people are angry. People have purchased the postcards of every political stripe and written messages that are just like unbelievable to send to some of these people. Um <laughs> yeah it was it's a very to me like the politics of it to really dive into that um the this moment was like class warfare and hypocrisy like on stage blatant like it was unbelievably blatant how people who do not have means could not see their families at christmas but if you had enough money you could fly to hawaii with your family and have a christmas it was so unbelievably on the nose hypocritical that people lost it and since and when i first made the piece it was very in the moment i didn't do much research i was like this is unbelievable i cannot believe people do this and i started looking and eventually i read there was a sprawl piece that came out recently i wish i knew the author i don't have the top of my head but there's a, a sprawl piece that just came out that was like no this was designed like the Kenny government and WestJet worked together for a very long time to ensure that this could happen. This was wow. not just accidental. Uh, this was not a coincidence that all of these staffers went to the same place. It was by design and advertised to a very specific clientele. Uh, and when Kenny kind of made the, the statement later that, like, yeah, it was great for WestJet he meant that like it wasn't a slip of the tongue. It was like, this was a moment where Canadian or Albertans were thrown under the bus to prop up a corporation to for whatever means or ends. And it was, it came out of incredibly poor timing. Uh, we had our, some of our highest COVID rates yet uh, people were dying. Uh, the seriousness of it is that, it's it was the worst possible time for this to happen uh so yeah i don't know like that i shouldn't say i don't know i just gave a very long explanation but that's kind of where it came from uh i at the end of the day i hope as far as like a historical record goes or what it represents uh i am shocked that people bought it (laughs) like they were so angry. They needed a physical outlet. Like they needed something physical. They needed this meme printed on paper and sent to somebody now. And I, I say meme, but it, I guess it is art at this point. Uh, Incredible.
0: (laughs) And you folks have gotten so much interest on the postcard campaign. Uh, And of course that all that money is going towards the food bank, which is awesome. Um, And there's just been just, I mean, widespread kind of rapid fire interest, both in, of course, the scandal of elected officials, you know, not doing as what they're communicating to the public and and traveling and, um, you know, behind the scenes, as you said, this was all kind of orchestrated. Uh, So there's that piece, people are angry about it, but then um, also just kind of, want to have that piece to be able to, you know, on one hand, you know, remember it and it's a beautiful piece of art and to hold on to it, uh, but also to support a great cause. Um, What has been the feedback? Like, like you've, you've gotten a lot of national attention on this in a very short period of time. You know, what has that been like?
2: Uh, Surprisingly, um, not that bad. Uh, I got into one Facebook argument, and somebody <laughs> some random person told me i won so i was like oh, I pat myself. like i don't i don't make these things to stir up people but at the same time it's an angry moment so you're gonna at the end of the day people are upset right like mm-hmm. and i don't mean to capitalize on that which is why it's it's a charity run thing um and it's obviously like a terrible moment in alberta history like at, at the end of the day covid and the reality of on the ground is horrific um so but the feedback that i've gotten from uh, my close circles has been generally like oh wow great piece of art read uh, i'm so angry like and that's a weird, <laughs> that's a weird thing to the balance um i i put like one thing that shocks me is i put like an option uh on this postcard to buy like a hundred dollar package and send one to like every every MLA in government and like three people have done that I was like <gasps> can you can, well, like three it doesn't seem like a large number but like can you imagine being so angry that you trust me a very fledgling artist with like who doesn't have a long history of selling lots of art and they're just like yeah here's a, here's a hundred dollars like that's so that's uh, to me it, it seems like outrageous Uh, but yeah, it's, um, I think with that third one, we're going to be, I have to update the numbers. I haven't looked uh, for the day yet, but we're probably getting close to $200 raised for the food bank now. Wow. Um, something probably near 250 postcards will be sent. Uh, and it seems to be ramping. Like I thought it was going to peak, but the people who are angry are obviously like still purchasing more. So we're going to, we're going to see how that goes. Uh, we're going to leave it up probably at least this weekend and a bit longer it's it it I it takes a really long time to make postcards <laughs> to tell you the truth so I don't know how many more hours I can contribute to the project but uh yeah that you know I've, I've rambled a lot to like really answer the question like what's the feedback been like it's been a very cheeky very provoked people quite angry the piece doesn't make people happy but they're certainly happy to send it to people uh and I have a very tight bubble, like end of the day, my social media presence, uh, although I've been seen by, obviously seen by people who may be supporters of the current action of government, uh, I have such a tight bubble, like most of us do at this point on Facebook or social media that I haven't faced too many repercussions for it. Uh, yeah, I'm also well-practiced in dealing with angry people. So like that's, I, I I maybe it just washes over me. Like maybe I just don't care, I guess. <laughs>
1: Now, just for our guests, you've been talking a lot about where people can send the postcards, but would you mind telling our listeners, you know, how can we purchase your Aloha postcards and which food bank are the funds going to?
2: Oh, yes. Yeah. So you can purchase the postcards at shaylenreed.com. Uh, There's or postcard postcardcampaign, I think. I would go to shailenreed.com and click the right link. That would be the best thing to do. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, to uh, all of the, uh, to be very clear, all of the profits, uh, I, I don't make enough money to <laughs> donate <laughs> the whole shindig, but all of the profits are going to our local uh, food bank, which is the University of Alberta Food Bank. I uh, will probably cut the first check on Monday because that's when I'm going to send the next mail out. And uh, probably, I know for a fact we've fundraised at least $150. I'll do the final calculation uh, when it comes down to it.
1: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And I think, you know, part of the reason why your piece resonated with so many people is that, you know, it's cheeky, it's controversial, but it also represents what many people are thinking right now, where it doesn't necessarily make you happy, but it's an outlet for your emotions. It's a visual representation of how messed up the entire situation is. But, you know, moving on from Alberta. Yeah. <laughs> international politics. This past week, you also released two pieces, you know, around the attacks on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. The first piece, which you um, have, doesn't have a title yet, is still untitled, kind of illustrates a photo from inside the Capitol with one man holding a Confederate flag, walking in front of a number of presidential paintings and structures. There were a number of historical images from January 6th, including that one, but of course, what illustri- what inspired you to illustrate this piece? Is it, you know, this is the first time the Confederate flag has flown inside Capitol Hill. Was that one of the contributing factors?
2: Yeah, you actually kind of nailed it, in all honesty. Um, I'm a big believer that symbols have incredible power. Incredible power. The, mm-hmm. the power of a symbol um, rallies armies. It defeats evils. It uh, changes people entirely. Um, And this was a strange moment in which history is being made and we're watching it live so for one of the first times history is a, a fickle thing. You can't say for the first time in history, something has happened. Obviously some weird stuff has gone down in the past, uh, but this is the first time that the world was able to tune in to the fall of an kind of like an empire moment, right? Like this is uh, historical, everybody living today has been able to watch this event if they wanted to or i watched it live like i was watching it happen um through the news and uh the flags being so the power of those symbols being carried into those places that was one of them and the confederate flag obviously is big but i the further along those lines were also trump flags Mm right? Like that was what was being carried into what would many would consider like a, like the home of American democracy. Um, and I was, I I read another quote that kind of, uh, put together how I was feeling, which is like when fascism comes to the U S it'll be wrapped in a flag and carrying a cross. Like, and that, wow, that's an unattributed, um, like quote, I just literally came out of the internet, but like, that is what more or less happened. The cross thing you could, probably write that in with anything else but people were literally wrapped in flags the lady who died unfortunately all the same was wrapped in a trump flag when she died wow and that's an incredible symbol um an incredible moment and i don't think that people it has set in very much I've, i've been very lucky to study politics that's what my background is in i've worked in it um this was an attempted coup like full stop Uh, Like there were men with the intention to take senators prisoner in that building to stop the count of a vote for a duly elected person. That is a coup. Um, Even if it's done in ignorance, even if Donald Trump now is backing away from it, it was an instigated coup. It was a failure, obviously, I mean, very thankfully, But when a coup happens and those those images are created and those symbols are carried into those places, that is a rewrite of power that is a show of force that is stealing uh, democracy away from people. Um, So as temporary as it was, that is um, pretty terrifying. It's a a democratic slide. It's shocking. Uh, And that image was one of many that I saw and many that I'm still illustrating. But that one hit me immediately. Like the visceralness of... Seeing a Confederate flag inside of the building being like triumphantly carried through um, there's another great image that I hope to do, which is um, somebody actually had one of the founding fathers and they jammed the Trump flag into its hands and it 's like holding the Trump flag in the rotunda, which is wow. insanity um, uh, yeah it's it's um it's serious like i i don 't know I, I have so many Friends and family members who are, because I, I, I get very passionate about these things, obviously, and I was like, "This is this this is realistically we the the decline of American hegemony as the leading democratic nation. Whether you want to argue if it was democratic or not, <laughs> sure, we can we can get into semantics. Uh, but it you know, like, very powerful moment. So that's why I illustrated that particular one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't I, I, I that was a big ramble. Got no. that out of my got that right out of my heart.
0: <laughs> no. Sweat is probably laughing because uh, for listeners and for your knowledge to read, uh, when we were preparing for this interview, Sweat has said, you know, we should add in some questions, you know, really particular to the attempted coup and you know, uh, we should really kind of define that a little bit more outside of just focusing on the art. And I said, no, 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 it'll come out naturally. Like if we're talking about art and obviously, you know, to go back to our kind of topic of the day, the relationship between art and politics is just going to flow. And so um, we saw that right there, which is exactly what I was hoping. So I'm <laughs> pleased, but um, it, it, it's the two of them are seamless, which is why we're talking about it. I think you're right. I think, you know, first and foremost, um, art as a form of a symbol can be extremely, extremely powerful as a tool, whether that be in the form of, um, you know, political propaganda that is, you know, sponsored and curated and communicated, um, and whether that be, you know, a digital format, a, a painting format, a poster format, a, a speech format, um, or, whether that be in terms of uh, beliefs and identity politics and things like this, it's, mm. it's very, very intrinsic. And I actually, I didn't know that uh, about the woman who had passed away, that she had been in fact wrapped by, by a flag. Um, and, and it's it's so fascinating, Like like you said, all these things and trying to kind of pick them away. I think you're right, we don't know the level of impact that this event will will have. I mean, first of all, the fact that you know, you know, folks from PEI and Alberta are talking about an event that happened really quite recently. Um, you know, in a country next door to us, and and you know, we're talking about it in the sense that we know it's going to impact everything so much. And you know, what we know about international politics, as you said, you know, the United States being the uh, hegemonic superpower that it currently is. I have consistently been reflecting on and looking at a more historical piece. Like you said, it's an empire falling. It's, you know, Trump is Nero playing the fiddle as the empire burns down. And um, it's interesting how it's kind of come full circle to that and the dystopia, you know, associated with uh, just living in history and and the events and the symbols and, and things like this. Like, it's just, it's kind of, well, not kind of, it is very overwhelming and it will be fascinating moving forward, um, you mm-hmm. know, in, in what everything that this this impacts. Um, but to come full circle, back to your second piece, which I also love so much. I texted you, I was like, this is a really, really interesting piece. Um, so the second one for listeners is titled, You Are Special. And of course, this quote is derived from the initial speech that outgoing President Donald Trump had communicated, had pre-recorded, which I thought that was interesting, had pre-recorded and then submitted to the various news networks to air following um, incoming President uh, Biden's speech on a call to end the attack. And so while on one side he's saying, please go home, the other side, and not one breath later, he's saying, we love you. You are special. So again, tying it back to that conversation, you know, we mentioned earlier about propaganda and the role that it plays in a form of symbol. And so um, this is really powerful and, and something you illustrated in your your illustration. Um, you know, this has a really dystopic feel to it. It has text. It has um, imagery. It has the... the former one that we had just talked about untitled combined with Donald Trump in the center uh, pointing at the the camera or the the viewer and as well on the other side an illustration that many folks would have seen uh, as well the photo of the man who's carrying a podium uh, in Capitol Hill on his way out as, as part of the attempted coup and over top of it these type of Kind of digital, um, kind of Y2K esque letters all over it that uh, in blue and white and red, of course, very patriotic, that say uh, you are special. So um, tell us a little bit more about that. See, you were rambling. Now I rambled extra long. So
2: (laughs) that's okay.
0: Back over to you, Reed.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I think there's a couple. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll address a couple of things that you said, and then I will talk about the piece a little bit. I, I know you, I know there are more questions to come, but like as a preview of that is that you don't have politics without art and you don't have art without politics. I'm a big believer that everything is political. Every action you take can be have a political lens, but art in particular is very political. Um, you don't have a hope poster without an artist. You don't have mega hats without a artist, uh, Uh, Those are foremost conveying a message, no matter what side of the team you play for. Uh, So with that context in this piece, uh, I I was reflecting on how complicated this moment is, how unbelievable it is on one sense, and how many realities are actually happening all at once. Mm. Like you described a couple of different, things that are happening right like he's preparing these messages he has earlier that day he gave a speech to inflame this crowd uh this crowd physically forced their way into a building people died um it's a very powerful moment and when the leader of like the free world like for the better for the lack of a better term decides to do what he did that even if it's poorly executed, even if it went terribly, even if it didn't work, he attempted a coup and continues to attempt such things. What he has since then backed out of, there has been another video being like, I, you know I will transfer the power. The reason why that happened is because this failed. That mm-hmm. You have to realize that we luckily are on the upswing. We're going to, democracy is, kind of won this fight in a sense but the problem is is that if if democracy kind of degrades to fight to physical fighting uh you kind of start to lose the democracy part of it now you mm. really are mm. just two authoritarians who are winning an election and then fighting it out for capitol hill mm. that's the eventual progression of this um right that's the outcome that is eventually comes up and uh, so what this piece for me was like trying to illustrate that that false reality that exists that people live in that is operating as a reality, coinciding with what I believe to be truth. In fact, there is another reality out there where people are being told they are special. They Mm -hmm. are doing the right thing. They are fighting for their freedom. uh, And Donald Trump is the winner, right? Like that, that exists that 70 million people voted in that direction. Mm -hmm. Um, This group or this Vanguard that came for Trump to support him in this moment is his vanguard. It is literally his army uh, to instigate a culture war of sorts, right? And even if we don't believe that, if our reality is different, like me, you, and not every other person out there is like, oh, no, no, he lost the election. Realistically, this is going to be fine. And yeah, everything will get better. We'll, the, the houses will flip and um, our team will eventually come through and democracy prevails. That's great, but that doesn't mean we're not in the middle of a literal cultural war, Mm -hmm. right? That there is another reality being presented. So that was what I was trying to get through the pieces. This is what people see. They think they are special. This is happening. Um, The cracks in it are showing, which is kind of like the, where the dystopic feel of it comes from, uh, but that reality exists. Uh, And at the end of the day, like when all these realities being created, it's being communicated through media and through art. Um, so like a line that I attached to the image, like part of my little, I guess you would call it speech or what I would put underneath, but if it was in a gallery it was, I, I, it makes me feel beside myself. It's like reality has become like this pseudo reality TV show. Mm -hmm. where i can watch this all happen on tv and like the first thought that goes through my mind is like am i watching homeland like (laughs) right like (laughs) it's like that's like that's so strange it's like am i watching a black mirror episode like what the hell Mm -hmm. right and that's that's a terrifying thought in in and of itself that like it's tv and mobile devices have created this false reality and are responsible like facebook fox news other you know right-wing conspiracy but also our own side plays into that, right? Like uh, we create these realities through these television sets and that's how this happened. People came from across the United States of America because they were told directly through by the president, through the TV, through their mobile device, Mm. show up. So at the end of the day, You Are Special is an ad. (laughs) (laughs) It's an ad for the alternative reality that exists out there. Mm. Um, And people knowingly, uh, although they may be, out of touch with what is true, and they may be out of touch with what has actually happened. heavy different reality. It is no longer that truth there's two different truths when there's two different realities
0: hmm.
2: right uh, so trying to get that all back to one place is going to be an incredible challenge uh, anyway, I know this this I could keep going on this for a long time, <laughs> but one of the things that i I, in, I accidentally did. But I look back on it now and it makes sense is that nobody has faces in that. Mm-hmm. We we superimposed Donald Trump there and it looks, it's shapely like Donald Trump, but that could be any old white man with a fucking curl. I'm really blind. <laughs> if I was around that age and a little bit bloated, that could be me. That's uh, that's kind of the point. <laughs> the, the people there uh, that did those things, I don't know their names. I don't know who they are. I don't know who carried that flag into that building. I don't know who stole that podium. Uh, but the reality is, is that conspiracy thinking and believing what they are doing is the right thing happens to people. Mm-hmm. And in this case happened to thousands and they, were, it's the greatest con that's ever been done. And it's all been done through TV. Um, uh, the history of Donald Trump on television uh, propagating this culture war is insane. He's been on TV for Ever. Uh, He instilled in people forget he was like the apprentice guy, right? Like, instilled himself into the minds of people as the boss. And that spell has been cast using these mediums. And Mm -hmm. that feeling, that dystopic feeling of like, that's what I'm trying to get through in that painting. I don't know. That's a lot of words (laughs) to just be like, ah, it's just a freaky painting. But at the end of the day, like, yeah, I, I and it's not going to stop. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's another thing. This is the new reality. Trump will come out of office and, unless he's jailed or dies, uh, will immediately continue to undermine reality uh, for most people. Will establish a media network that uh, mm-hmm. creates... And this is now me prophesizing. So to take this all with a grain of salt, this may or may not happen. Mm-hmm. But absolutely the only way for him to pay his debts and to continue on living the lifestyle he does is to have worshipers, is to have mm-hmm. direct connections to these people through some sort of network. And obviously that's not going to be the ones that exist today. So what network is that going to be? How is he going to get that message through? You are special is... In, you know, I said it one time before but in my mind it's an ad on that network <laughs> like that's you could replace anybody there with anybody and it doesn't necessarily even need to be Trump that network will outlive him this moment will outlive all of us and it will become really strange I, I've never had to explain my art in such a way so I'm being very verbiose, obviously but that's where I get to
1: Mm -hmm. absolutely and you know what was really interesting about the video where you know he says you're special and we love you is that it was presented or it had been you know put forward as a concession video and yet nowhere in that video does he actually say joe biden won fair and square he will be the next president of the united states all he says is i tried to refute this legally it didn't work there's going to be a transition of power. He never legitimizes that win, which is really interesting because I think this might be the first time in recent years where the leader of the free world is refusing to concede that he lost. And, you know, I think last night, not last night, but, you know, the coup that failed on Capitol Hill might have been his, one of his last try his last attempts to stay in power after January 20th and you know into the future so I think you're absolutely right this will this has changed our reality and the way that politics will evolve in the future as well and if Donald Trump's still around in 2024 I wouldn't be surprised if he ran or if another member of his family ran again so I think you're absolutely yes. right there
2: like oh yes sorry not to jump in but yeah we me and you and the rest of the world and Americans I can't imagine how they feel we may not be at war but there are certainly actors who feel like they are right now Mm -hmm. many of those people who stormed that place felt like they were at war the only action they could take was to conquer this building so although we may not accept that reality yet that will continue and Mm -hmm. you're absolutely correct he did not concede nor has he conceded fully he has not he he continues even with his latest one his more professional one uh at no point does he like legitimately say like this is over no Mm -hmm. he will leave office and he will will continue which has only one outcome which is conflict because Mm -hmm. joe biden now for tell donald trump dies has to say no you are not the president even having to say that mm-hmm. is it breaks down the, the fabric of that, what has been a system. Um, and this has happened before, like to democracies. I will not compare the United States to other democracies. Obviously, it's completely different
1: mm-hmm. and
2: barely functions as a democracy. But <laughs> um, in history, when this has happened, when, when there have been two people who've refused to concede an election, the only way it, it actually ends is uh, widespread, like, fighting like Mm -hmm. punching people, (laughs) and worse. So I don't see a great outcome, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. I don't, I I don't mean to be doom and gloom. I, I have (laughs) actually great hopes for the future. It's a, Mm -hmm. it's a new, new dawn for the United States. And hopefully we can, you know, make it through, but really odd moment.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And you know, I think it's also the fact that you know, Joe Biden being elected doesn't mean anyone else's rights are going to be taken away who currently have them. It just means more people might have access to more things they should. But moving on from, you know, American politics to your art specifically, when you post illustrations on social media, you often use the hashtag political art. How would you describe your relationship, you know, between politics and art? I know you've touched on this a bit already.
2: Yeah. um, Yeah, the line I had was a, Yeah. You don't have politics without art. You don't have, it just, it doesn't work. You can't have a campaign without pamphlets. You can't, you can't have uh TV ads without directors. You, um, there's a, it's going to come back to me. Oh, I should have wrote it down. There's such a great moment in a, there's a TV show on Netflix. that's all about um, old school Hollywood. And there's a great moment where a young director is given a moment or an opportunity to direct a political ad and he does, but for a team, he doesn't, he doesn't believe in and that team wins. And the power of it was that his ad, when they looked at it later and they did the math was the thing that tipped the balance, right? Political ads are made by artists. Mm -hmm. Political artwork is made by artists. So political art is me just saying like, oh, right, like, no, like this stuff is art. But it is inherently made for political Mm means, which I'm not the first one to do, obviously. (laughs) Um, And uh, how how funny would that be if I discovered political art? (laughs) But um, at
0: that really blonde guy.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but the the future, which I find more interesting. and, I, you know, I've, you've heard me refer to memes and even call my own artwork memes. And I do make memes all the time. And I, like, I don't publish them on my own stuff because I just give them to my friends because they're funny. Um, but the, in the new era, in new politics, you don't have campaigns without memes. You don't have campaigns without social media. You don't have campaigns without uh, deep fakes. You don't have campaigns without modern technology uh, in art in a whole new way, which will be as yet to be totally uncovered like that stuff's gonna realistically change how we view politics so when art especially when it's widely distributed like when you can get it into the hands of a lot of people forces them to reconcile their reality and to reconcile their politics and to choose whenever you choose something you create a new reality so the art in politics is what forces people to do that uh so it it carries or it can imbue a people with a lot of power or it can take it away Mm -hmm. right um or it can make people look funny (laughs) (laughs) at <laughs> the um, end of the day my artwork's is no, no different than old school political cartoons except it has a better spin and looks better to people our age <laughs> okay. really um, uh, and at the end of the day it's like there is a new age coming uh, where people kind of around who are savvy with the internet know how to make art uh, can do a live stream uh, they will be the meme lords of today will be the political influencers of tomorrow <laughs> absolutely Mm-hmm. I, I remember in student politics, when I was hanging out with these people who I know are already in incredibly high positions of authority or, or in politics, uh, they were meme lords, they they made this stuff, that's what they did, they just, I, I got called an artist for it because I I make it a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a I I feel like maybe a little bit of a controversial way to look at it, but mm. yeah, political art, weird stuff.
0: Mm. I have a, a different question for you, Reed, and it's it's based on something you had mentioned earlier, just kind of about the future and to that effect, the future of political art. Like, I think, historically, and particularly in kind of the Western world, um, when we see politics and communications kind of overlap. I I mean, obviously, one primary example we look at um, is, is Nazi Germany and a Mm -hmm. lot of control over, for example, at that time, the main kind of means of communication would have been, um, you know, uh, the radio, first and foremost, as well as different educational programs, uh, such as, you know, Hitler Youth and things like this. Um, Those were, at the time, the way that, the realities, as you said, or kind of the the kind of pseudo realities, if that's the term we want to use, uh, were created because the. Information that people were digesting, whether that be again like through listening to it, or you mm-hmm. know their children coming home and um, you know talking about it at the dinner table, or um, you know impacting, for example, like labor unions or you know workplaces, things like this. Um, that's yep. how it impacted, you know, understanding and knowledge, as well as of course like book burning and a number of other things. That was you know 100 years ago. And so today, and particularly what we saw with outgoing President Donald Trump, is, I think, really taking the reins on what that modern um, modern utilization of current tools. you know, it may not be radio, it may not be um, you know Hitler. Program that affects, like, um, kind of tying in that capitalist side of things is, you know, when you have money in politics, okay, now you could control Fox News. You have millions of people tuning into that on a daily basis. Um, okay, if you also have money, then social media ads are extremely cheap. You could buy yep. an ad for $5. So then how does that play into, um, as well, social media and Further to that more curated content like it's it's one thing if you have, you know, a news broadcaster covering content, um, you know, they're supposed to, uh, you know, quote unquote, cover many different things, yep. but on social media, particularly with algorithms, um, and a lot of the coding behind these platforms is If you look at one type of content, you will be attracted to similar and be exposed to similar types of content. And again, kind of reiterating that pseudo reality to that effect, very roundabout way. And I mean, if people have listened to this already, I ramble a lot. How would you describe the future of political art? With you know, and I think I think I can't remember who said it. Both of you probably said it. You know. The The lesson of, you know, the January 6th attempted coup is going to outlive Donald Trump and his success, you know, in 2016, and as well, just various events that took place, um, you know, over the last five years, that's not going to be left in the history book to say oh that was one type of way of doing politics and that's left you know many different political figures as well as uh, businesses as well as um you know organizations will look at that as a playbook and you know it's maybe not going to be saying copy paste you know we're going to be speaking to people by saying you know we love you you are special but in terms of the intricacies of, of that approach to communications, whether you're selling a product, selling an idea or selling an identity, um, long story short, how would you describe, you know, that will impact the future of of political art or art and politics?
2: Oh, it'll, it'll be everything. Um, I have no illusions that the Donald Trump, although he came into power and was quick and, and did it very well, uh, people, I, I, I have a lot of, like, I don't know how else to say this. I have a lot of friends who are um, like the political opposite of Donald Trump. I would call them leftists through and through, like people that I hang out with and I know. And they would describe him as a complete and bluttering idiot, right? Like they'd be like, yeah, he's just, he's crazy. Like there's no way, he's absolutely lost his mind. And that's not true, right? Like that, to an extent, he may not be good leader. He may not be good at what he does. He may have lost God knows how much money. But he became the president of the United States not through his charming personality. Like, he (laughs) became the president of the United States because he was empowered to that position. And whether you want to say that he was the smarts behind it or not, well, somebody was. Mm -hmm. And Donald Trump, uh, I've never met him, probably never will, but that symbol is so powerful now trump that word and those flags are will outlive him generations fold Mm -hmm. they will be the new flag that is flown when people go to marches Mm -hmm. when uh, realities are formed and what has been learned uh, by the powers to be is how in you they were so close to having a coup like but donald trump botched it because he's just bad <laughs> like he's just not good at it what happens when somebody comes along uses these exact same tools in this exact same manner whether we regulator- regulate it away or not he comes along or they who gosh knows and they use these tools in the way they are meant to be made and used which is to successfully steal an election or successfully have a coup these tools and the way that this works has already happened we forget that poland has been completely taken over by russia we forget that britain has left the the uh, the eu we forget on a global scale these things that what people would describe as slides away from mm-hmm. a western democratic block that has stopped the denigration of democracy i'm liberalism in the old school sense of belief in democratic practice uh, is under siege. Like the, the idea of a cultural war, whether we believe it or not is happening. Uh, It's, Mm -hmm. it's like a cold war of kind. It's like a media war. I don't know how else to describe it, but it will continue. And to think it's not in Canada is, uh, is just bald face. Like you got to reevaluate Mm -hmm. Uh, that stuff is here. The technology exists uh people have it in their hands now political actors have it in their hands now i was thinking about this a bit recently which is that why do you think we still give subsidies to uh oil corporations it's Mm -hmm. not out of the niceness of our hearts it's because they spend and outspend any other industry on social media on these tools Mm -hmm. on convincing Mm -hmm. people it's a good thing um i don't i love Alberta. and i would never lamb blast my own albertans but like The reason why so much of this is so thick here and and well done is because, uh, well, one, the intensity of Albertans, but two, the money Mm -hmm. Uh, and the calculation of it, like it comes down to how many dollars, as you mentioned, on social media ads do I need to spend to convince a voter to Mm -hmm. continue on this path? When that algorithm comes to, oh, how many social media dollars do I create a soldier? Mm -hmm. That's different. That's what's happened. Mm-hmm. It is no longer how do I create a voter? It is how many social media dollars does it take to create a soldier? And that has now been proven. I bet you we could run that calculation down in the States as to how many social media dollars it took to create a a guy with zip cuffs inside of the Senate floor ready to steal the most powerful position on earth. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's what's happened. And that playbook is now... Understood and will be reiterated on. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, on that's the- not really art, but that's a <laughs> that's a pretty powerful thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, memes, like I, 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 I <laughs> what you, what memes are you making, man? Like, be intentional. Like, mm-hmm. why are what what art are you making and sharing to say something? Because well, you bet the other side's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's happening and I don't know as far as politics go I love I, I'll chat with conservatives any day and I don't mean to be like I know this has become very doom and gloom uh, but there's also an upside on it there is a positive like you can use these tools for good they can be used to um, spread the idea of climate change must be combated uh, they can be used to strengthen democracy by saying that elections are good but, I don't know if you'd notice, but like government ads to do these things are terrible, like but the artists making this work i I don't know who they are i I please make it better, spend more money, I don't know fucking something i <laughs>
1: well on this very light and happy note after a significant amount of doom i think the formal interview part of our episode is concluded and we have only the fun parts left which is we typically have a beer panel so i don't know about albertan craft beers or albertan beers in general but Uh do you have any recommendations for our listeners should they ever find themselves on the west coast
2: absolutely i actually oh i should have thought about this i'm blanking oh no give me a second here i i had it written down and now i've forgotten <laughs> i i don't drink anymore which is a funny statement i uh, i do drugs i do cannabis that's my new uh go-to <laughs> so uh i um oh i'm gonna look it up right now i'm so sorry it's called uh molly beer i think it's called what the fuck no, that's not even it. It's not Molly beer there. That'd be disgusting. Um, <laughs> I have
0: a, I have a prompt uh, for you, Reed. If you can't think of yeah, it. hit me. Okay. So in one of our last episodes, I. Yeah communicated the story in which the Alberta crew came to PEI once upon a time and I told the the listeners about how you know yourself and Adam Brown and uh, Robbie and the crew came to PEI and really wanted to try craft beer because you were like yeah like PEI has great craft beer let's go on this tour and so of course um, you know myself also loving craft beer I was like what's a really good PEI experience so of course we started off in my kitchen because a good time maritime kitchen oh, gas- this is, best. <laughs> is yeah. so of course later on we went on to craft beer corner and then sportsman's um but we started off night with a particular beer and it's called a schooner now you can only get it on the east coast from what i know made in nova scotia um i really wanted to make sure that you folks uh got the opportunity to try it while you were here what were your thoughts on the infamous schooner
2: oh so good i think i had several that's how (laughs) great it was yeah no um right up there with lucky like it was oh Unbelievable. I, I should have brought home a flat of it on the plane somehow and stored it in cold. Um, no, yeah, it was such a great afternoon and a, and a fantastic evening and, and almost a good morning. The, um, the, yeah, I, oh, great times. I guess it's, uh, I, I haven't, I, I, it's been almost a year now, right? Cause of this whole fucking COVID thing, but god i can't wait to do that sort of thing again. <laughs> I cannot wait to spend time like that with good friends in a schooner of beer It's gonna be good <laughs> um uh, as far as beers go though my recommendation i've remembered the the drink I drink now a house plant it's called a house plant house it's plants. um it's a cannabis infused sparkling water oh. and it's uh, it's got, like, zero calories, no, no sugar, but it tastes exactly like, like a bubbly, like a bubbly water. Okay, um, cool. Yeah, and they have different flavors, and they almost match, like, flavor, flavor with bubbly water. Um, <laughs> so if I'm going to, like, if, if I'm going to consume something, that's what I consume now. Uh, and uh, they have around, yeah, they've got, like, 2.5 milligrams of THC in them, so they don't knock you out. But if you had eight of them, kind of like a good beer, you know, you'd, you'd be crawling. But they're, uh, yeah, that's what I would highly recommend. And, and a fun note, like um, I always tell people, like I actually refuse to say I, I, like I, I drink cannabis. I'm like I just do drugs, right? Like <laughs> it would be more like, and it drives Shayla nuts. She's like, people are gonna think you're doing like fucking cocaine off the kitchen table. I'm like, no, I'm gonna go consume my drugs, um, because I love the fact that uh, the Alberta government. Um, because we, we consume the most cannabis in Canada, in Alberta, uh, the Alberta government is probably, I can't say definitively, but is probably the largest drug dealer in the world. <laughs> oh. Wow. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. fascinating. So if you want to put a weird twist on something, uh, yeah. this was all illegal not so long ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Very, actually, not very long ago, like five years ago, this shit was illegal. So the Alberta government went from being the most conservative possible Jurisdiction for uh, cannabis consumption in probably the like in the like Canada to being the number one consumer <laughs> of cannabis, which uh, makes you think, uh, why was it ever actually illegal or only legal for certain people? Like, let's mm. to be totally honest, big time. Uh, every, apparently, everybody was smoking fucking weed out here, but guess who was getting arrested for it? Like, that's we won't get into it, but like, that's <laughs> like. <laughs> There's something fishy there, uh, for and, and oh, for some reason now the government gets all the tax dollars and it doesn't go to drug dealers. Like what the fuck? <laughs> wow, yeah.
0: fascinating. Weird That's world. That's so interesting. <laughs> That's yeah. like so like welcome to Alberta, oil kind of drugs and cowboy boots.
2: <laughs> yeah, oil, drug, cowboys. I you know okay, you can put this in if you would like or not, but I I I tried. I do the same thing with a lot of things. And it's, um, it's I try to correct myths a, a little bit about Alberta, which is that yes, the oil you can't, can't get away from that. Uh, drugs. Sure. Can't get away with that. We have, we, and to be in all like a more serious note, like we have like the epicenter center of overdoses for like very serious drug problem in, in this province and a mental health issue, but like that's for us to deal with. Uh, Alberta though, technically by the books has like the youngest and, like, oddly enough, when polled, like, amongst my population, like, one of the more progressive populations.
0: Fascinating.
2: Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, they always label themselves as conservative. Like, they, no matter what, like, if you were to pull like, uh, let's make up a character, Derek from Kalmar, uh, And you were like, Derek, how do you feel? Like, and I, I'm saying mean rule. This guy's never gone to a city. Um, he works on a rig, uh, blah, 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 blah. And you were to be like Derek, like how do you feel about gay people? Derek would probably be like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and then you would be like, Derek, how do you feel about uh, women in the workplace? He'd be like, You mean Sandy? And then go on with, and you'd be like, Derek, how do you <laughs> like, 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 um, like Derek, how do you, uh, like, how do you feel about taxes? He'd be like, I fucking hate them, like, like, like as anybody would, right? Um, Don't be wrong. I don't mean to be like Albertan doesn't have a problem with like rampart sexism and all the other societal issues that we face everywhere. But Alberta is, uh, when you're here and you're amongst uh, like-minded people, uh, is uh, a moving and shaken place when it's not under siege by a terrible government and uh, horrific uh, pandemics. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I love it here. I'm trying to be defending it, and while also being like, "I'm oh, sorry for all the other really shitty stuff." <laughs> it's mm-hmm. A little bit of gaslighting. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it's important, though. I think, like a lot of us, like you know where we come from and home. Like it's kind of like a love hate relationship. There's great things about it, you know, but we can also be very critical because oh, we yeah. understand it and and we've lived it. And so, so I think it's very fair. Um, as for my beer. I've never tried houseplants, but that sounds fascinating. Um, My beer that I'm going to recommend, and I don't know if you could get this out on the West coast. I think some of PEI brewing company stuff is there. I'm not sure, but I'm going to recommend the, and I have the title here. It's called wild intentions, kettle sour with Brett. Sounds very attractive. Um, Great marketing political art, if you will, Uh, and it is just like, yeah, dry, sour, kind of got a little bit of pear in it. Um, It's really good. It's only 5%, just really good to sip on, enjoy. That would be my recommendation. Mm -hmm.
1: Cool. Okay uh my beer recommendation for the day i know a lot of folks are doing dry january this month or a lot of folks might not be drinking or trying not to drink so upstreet actually has um an alcohol-free option which is called libra which you know if you're craving the taste of beer for some reason but don't want the alcohol part of it then that's should be your go-to libra
0: throwing shade at me by the way if you're wondering if someone would like to try i'm trying to do dry january i've been successful so far but it's it's hard yeah
1: it's hard yeah yeah i cried i I I got got a glass of wine after capitol hill
2: so (laughs) (laughs) i think shayla drank a bottle to tell you the truth so (laughs) it's not a dry household around here i'm the only one that doesn't partake. i i might have done some drugs uh anyhow but uh yeah, it's been a wild week. I, I, have, I have no condemnation for anybody who decided to have a glass of wine or a hoot or two mm-hmm. or seven. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Well.
2: Yeah, I, 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 um, I, I'm very thankful for this entire experience. I haven't been uh, very serious in a long time, and I feel like I got a couple serious moments in. That was a, <laughs> uh, a good conversation.
1: Absolutely, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. We loved having you on, and the conversations were a lot of fun and very informative.
2: yeah, I hope somebody can pick out um as in the editor of this podcast some some actual gems in there. I know that when I listen <laughs> back to myself tomorrow, I'm gonna be like, "Oh my god he he has become an artist. What have <laughs> I done?, <laughs> yeah. I You're can like... feel the language coming out of me. I mean like." <laughs> I, uh, oh.
0: I've i been recently listening to this podcast and I'll just plug it here. Um, it's called uh, Vogue in the 1990s and it talks about just uh, different um, events and trends that took place during the 1990s in, in fashion. And one of them, of course, is uh, Muchia Prada when uh, she was very prominent, uh, of course, in, in the Uh, the brand Prada, and she created what's known as, um, I think it's called like ugly fashion or ugly Prada, I forget what it is, but anyways, what she said was, you know, she had grown up her entire life, of course, part of the Prada family, however, you know, when she went to school, she studied political science, she's in fact, uh, has a PhD in political science, Uh, she never wanted to be in fashion, she never, she like described it actually as like the least feminist thing that she could do, because she was a big feminist, Um, And anyways, what ended up happening was she was still working for the company, even though she was uh, more involved in the political side of things in Italy. Uh, But then, you know, like all things, they kind of come together. And then she became more involved in the design part of things. And uh, she also took on then the, the lead designer role and took on the company and has really brought it you know, to where it is today and where it'll go in the future. But she said, like in an interview recently, It only isn't until like the last five years, although she's worked for the company, you know, her entire life and she's in her seventies now, it's not until recently that she described herself as a fashion designer. And so I think like a lot of things in life, like we underestimate ourselves and we also like... You know, uh, although we, we could be very good at things and, and people, you know, receive you very well and, and are big fans, like, you know, such as Sweata and I with your artwork, you may not view yourself in that way. Um, but that's, I don't think, to take away at all from the art that you create in the same, same case as uh, Muchia Prada. I mean, you know, again, one of the most successful designers of all time, and of course you, read are now, you know, instilled in history right now with COVID-19, Alberta politics. And one thing I'll say before we go, you should most certainly submit the postcard to the provincial archives so that this can be part of the history uh, in Alberta and as well in Canada. So then, you know, when we look back at the next pandemic, this will be a main visual, of course.
2: That's a great idea. I hadn't thought of that. Look at that. I learned something. That's 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 uh, that's exciting. I should just send one to every MP just for giggles too. You can get there for free. <laughs> Why not?
0: <laughs> Why not? Well, thank you so much, Reed. This has been a treat, and we also chatted via text that for your next project, you will be putting a kind of a bigger portfolio. You're gonna we're gonna have you back on uh, if you would so like to.
2: Oh yeah. If well, let's see what people have to say. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no i would love to i am i think it's going to take me at least a couple weeks to tell you the truth i know i'm fairly um locked up but i i have an idea for a um a digital art piece on the website so it won't necessarily be a blog it'll probably be like a weird cross between spoken word and art but i i gotta get this feeling out of my chest of trying to do, like uh, i tried to do it today which is what is this reality what is happening what is being built in front of us And uh, I guess I want to be a harbinger of doom for five minutes and then we'll go back to my sunny blonde (laughs) self, (laughs) drawing nudes and and sipping my drugs.
1: (laughs) Well, whatever it is, we're looking forward to it.
2: I appreciate that. I know that was a weird send up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't expect it any other way at all.
2: (laughs) It's some of the laugh in there, for the love of God. They need to know. (laughs) okay
0: please stay safe reed
2: please, yeah please, stay safe. Please, great, stay great stay chat safe. with both you know, i really appreciate it this is so much fun <laughs> thank
0: you <laughs> thank you reed we'll be yeah, texting soon off. okay Bye. Okay, sounds
1: good. Okay. bye-bye so that's all the time we have today, folks. As always, stay warm, stay safe, and our closing music is "Gas z by the very talented Shane Pendergast. Shane has a show coming up at the Trailside
0: Music Hall, and that's on Wednesday, January 13th, 2021. Very cool to say that now for the first time. <laughs> and that show is at 8 p.m. until 10 p.m. at the Trailside Music Hall. You can access tickets at Trailside Music Hall website. Also, very exciting, Shane has a new song out, and it's called It Slips Away. It hasn't been released yet, but if you're like me and would like to pre-save it, you can find it on Shane's Facebook page, Shane Pendergast, and there'll be a link to a website titled Distro Kids. So that's D-I-S-T-R-O-K-I-D. And again, that new single is called It Slips Away. So definitely check that out. As always, this has been dialogue.